1: Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're recording another show from the venue of Spokane, Washington, the occasion, the ASI International Convention. It's August of 2015 when we're recording this broadcast, and across from me is a guest who I have featured on American Indian Living before. It's Vicki Griffin. Vicki, it's great to have you with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Vicki, you are the director of a group called Lifestyle Matters. How long have you been uh, working with that project?
2: Fourteen years.
1: Fourteen years. And I know people that know about your work, Lifestyle Matters is synonymous with high-quality health education materials. Is that the kind of connection you want people to have in their minds?
2: We're very pleased with that association.
1: (laughs) Okay. You've got some new stuff that's out. You were just showing it to me. I haven't even seen it. Tell us about some of your latest projects.
2: Well, the passion that uh, our group has is creating health education materials that others can use to bring uh, better better brain health, better habits, better life to communities everywhere uh, without a huge financial investment, simple, practical ways to add value to your life.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the great things about the stuff that you've done over the years, I've used it in community health projects. Uh, No doubt there's people in tribal health centers, in community groups, churches, uh, other faith communities that have used your materials. I know a number uh, personally that have used your stuff. And one of the things you've got is like right out of the box, you've got for a health professional, you've got PowerPoint slides that are all designed if I want to give a talk on diabetes or addictions, right?
2: Right. Our latest one is called Hearts on Fire.
1: Hearts on Fire. Now, that's uh, begging a lot of questions. Tell tell us what that's all about.
2: Taming the fires of uh, metabolic syndrome and chronic inflammation that lead to heart disease.
1: Okay. Now, this uh, this is close, really close to home in Indian country, as well as any segment of the American population, because the metabolic syndrome, of course, is the result of insulin resistance. That is correct. It's the same thing that lies at the root cause of type 2 diabetes. That's right. And you're connecting the dots saying this is a big problem for heart disease.
2: And heart disease, it's chronic inflammation. It's chronic systemic inflammation. And acute inflammation, if you get a bee sting or break a bone, inflammation is a good thing. But when it is chronic uh, and when it is metabolic, then it begins to do damage
1: And in the programs that you've put together, the ones I've seen, I haven't seen the newest one, there's always some kind of practical component. You're not just educating people about a disease. You're telling them, here's some simple things you can do. Are you continuing that same type of approach?
2: Absolutely. Otherwise, information becomes crushing. It becomes depressing. Mm. We want people to make modest, simple, easy, practical, inexpensive shifts in their daily uh Choices that are, are like picking up change and putting it in your pocket. It adds up. And there's a cumulative effect that has a powerful effect on brain, body, habits, mood, and energy levels. And that's what people need.
1: Tremendous, tremendous. So let's talk about the heart disease situation. Someone's listening right now, okay? They're tuning in and they're saying, listen, I've got to listen to this. My husband uh, just had a heart attack. Or someone else is listening, and they said, I was just uh, in the cath lab and the the heart lab. They did a dye study of my heart. They found I've got serious blockages, and they told me I need bypass surgery. Right. Now, we're not going to try to treat anyone over the radio waves, but whether they've got a serious heart condition at this point or whether they're concerned about heart disease, what kind of simple, practical things... Does the science show us can actually help someone, uh, if you will, reverse that disease process?
2: Well, let's take a look first at a couple of conceptuals uh, that you have helped us with in some articles we've written uh, for Balance Magazine. And that is often we refer to our plumbing, our arterial system, our vascular system as pipes. I've got plumbing. But they're living organisms that respond to... The choices that we make to the environment that they, that they are in. And so, uh, most heart attacks and many strokes actually originate from unstable plaques. As a physician, you know this fatty, fatty deposits in the arteries. And when they rupture, it, it releases uh, deadly compounds that can produce life-threatening clots. There's another process besides, uh, atherosclerosis, which is what we're describing right now, and that is called arteriosclerosis, which is a stiffening of the actual artery. So I, I'm I from Michigan, and when we leave our garden hoses outside in the wintertime,
0: okay. they
2: become stiff and inflexible. So now if you try to run water through those hoses, what happens to the pressure? Does it go up or down? Well, it goes up. Uh-huh. And, and so simple lifestyle changes, not only reduce these nicks in the arteries that create these immune reactions and create these clots and these lesions within the arteries but also change it also changes the flexibility of the arteries themselves okay. so some very simple things can re- lower blood pressure stabilize cholesterol, improve the quality of those arteries. And you know, we think of arteries as going to our hearts, but they go to the groin. Mm -hmm. They go to the kidneys. Mm -hmm. They go to the periphery. They go to the brain. That's right. And what we say is the battle is really not for the bulge. It's for the brain. It's not about weight control. It's about appetite control. And that's a brain Mm -hmm. thing. So the The great thing that you are asking me, and I haven't answered it yet, is that the simple ways to dial down this chronic inflammation is going to address arterial function and integrity. It's going to address diabetes, metabolic problems, brain health, diabetes, obesity. don't have to do 10 different things for 10 different diseases.
1: No, I mean, this is a great message. So what I hear, you know, loud and clear... You're saying, Dr. DeRose, listen, we're starting to talk about heart disease, but when we talk about protecting your heart and the blood vessels that go to the heart, the coronary arteries, we're really talking about a program that's going to help all the blood vessels in your whole body, right?
2: That's right. So if we were to put it just in in one concept, Mm -hmm. inflammation literally means on fire. Okay. So we want to dial down... Inflammation, chronic inflammation. So let's talk about some practical ways to do that.
1: Please, what do we do?
2: First thing, stop the smokes.
1: Okay, you mean, uh, no, wait a minute. You you know we've got a lot of uh, Native American listeners who, uh, you know, tobacco is uh, uh, you a sacred plant. You're not saying necessarily that they can't use tobacco in a ceremony. Maybe you are saying that, but we won't go there in this show. But you're especially talking about addictive smoking, right?
2: What I'm talking about. Is what happens in the body when a person takes a hit off of a cigarette. When a person takes a hit off of a cigarette, a drag off a cigarette, I Uh I used to smoke so I only know the slang language. Uh, I don't know how. Fair enough. Okay, so. What happens? What happens is a thousand chemicals enter the system and if you watch someone smoking, they will take a, a puff from that cigarette every 30 seconds and it takes seven seconds. For the nicotine to go from the lungs to the to the heart to the brain and then bang, it creates this release of these chemicals. Okay. And so there is a reaction that occurs, but the downside mm-hmm. of, of that reaction is that the, pl- the pleasure hormones that are created, uh, it actually destroys the vesicles that produce them be- mm-hmm. in an attempt to dial down the assault of too much chemical in the brain.
1: So what you're telling us is that when someone's... uh, Let's take the example of someone who's a habitual nicotine user. Yes. Okay, using it day in and day out. Right. The brain is becoming overstimulated.
2: And so it builds what is called a tolerance. So now what is happening is there are fewer receptors available to, to receive that chemical. It takes... More chemical to find fewer receptacles. So now what happens in any addiction? And this is the misconception about addictions. Okay. People who have not experienced addiction think that uh, people are running around with these addictions trying to feel good. But the reality of addiction is that we're doing the behavior or the substance in order to keep from feeling bad. Right, right. No, exactly. And so it takes time and perseverance for the brain to return to normal functions of what we're referring to actually as dopamine. Mm -hmm. The good news is is that there are more types of dopamine receptors in the brain than are just associated with immediate pleasure. In the higher centers of the brain, there are dopamine D3, 4, 5, and 6 receptors so that when we engage in other kinds of pleasurable activities that require focus and attention and time to achieve, Mm -hmm. those dopamine receptors are stimulated, giving a different kind of pleasure. So in other words, when I delay smoking Mm -hmm. and go for a 10-minute walk to boost mood, when I do the right thing and delay something instant, Mm-hmm. In terms of gratification, when I work on a term paper or when I work on a project, a painting project that's going to require time, when I finish it, there's an experience of reward.
1: Okay, so you're not telling us that that reward experience from working on a term paper or taking a walk is equivalent to what would have happened with that uh Hit of nicotine. No, right? it,
2: it's it's a compensation. Okay, it's what is called a, a redundancy or a backup system. Okay, we have backup systems in our brain, and over time, the reward, the reward of delaying instant gratification, uh-huh. actually overreaches the the impulse. Uh, the, the impulse rewards are actually not as gratifying long term because impulse rewards that are immediate result in fatigue, tension, and Mm -hmm. depression. Hmm. Uh, when they are overstimulated. I mean, look, we need to have gratification and we want, when we get a hug, when we, when we do things that create a sensation of gratification, that's a good thing. We're, we are designed for all of those responses, but the difference between a good habit and a bad habit is that a person who is learning automatic behavior and a lot of addictive behavior is automatic. When a person is, is learning a good habit, it actually frees hard drive space in the brain to learn new things. And when we're learning new things, the brain is very eager to learn new things mm. and it actually creates joy to learn new things. But the addicted brain is losing its ability to learn new things. It's losing ability to create associations with other things. So understanding this, understanding that we need to fight with every tool in the box to break any addiction, whether mm-hmm. it's media, whether it's tobacco, whether it's alcohol. And I come from a winemaking family. Okay. okay. So uh, so whether it's pornography, whether it's whatever it is, the long-term effect of of continued... Persistent involvement with a media, with uh, with media, a behavior, or a substance, uh, despite its destructive consequences, is a surefire sign of addiction, and that includes food.
1: So let, let's see if, if we can kind of recap what I hear you saying, and and make sure we're getting this. And I'm I'm speaking more to myself than to anybody tuning in today. So what I hear you saying, Vicky, is we're looking at a list of some things that can affect our risk of heart disease, yes. but specifically, or more broadly inflammation in our that bodies. That is correct.
2: And honestly, we've gotten off into addictions.
1: No, but it's good. It's good. Frankly,
2: some of the some of the things that are very bad for the heart are the very things that we're addicted to.
1: That's why I'm kind yeah. of trying to pull this all together yeah. because what I hear you saying is one of those things that is really tough on our arteries is addictive smoking and that those yes. continual uh, nicotine surges that we put through our body and what you're telling me is for the person that's listening in right now they say listen i'm putting away two packs three packs a day yeah. maybe it's only a pack or a half pack they say i could never be happy without the nicotine what you're saying is no no that's not the case you can be happier even though there's a challenge to go through as far as withdrawal and your blood vessels will be happier too. Am I am I hearing that message loud and clear? That,
2: that is that is absolutely correct. And there are actually, I mean we've got we've gotten off into smoking, but it's a it's an important topic. There are actually 7 Rs uh, it's a recovery lifestyle uh for stopping smoking. So, you know, first of all, number 1 the seven R's, real food. So real f- nutritious food is going to cut cravings and improve mood. Okay, I, we
1: want to go through this whole list. We're just about out of time, Vicki, in this segment. But I know you're not going away. And I know our listeners, if they're like me, they're saying, I don't want to go away either because we want to hear these practical things that we can do to deal with nicotine addiction. Mm-hmm. So vicky has got that. It comes right from one of uh, their publications called Up and Smoke. We're going to be back with Vicky. Griffith and with other great material from ASI in Spokane, Washington. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a couple of minutes.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this.
3: My name is Florence A.Q. For lunch today, I had grilled chicken and squash. I am Zuni Indian, and I have the power to prevent diabetes.
4: My name is D. Dakota Dinesosi. I turned the TV off and took my nieces and nephews for a walk. We saw two jackrabbits, an eagle, and zero cartoons. I'm from the Dine Nation, and I have the power to prevent diabetes.
0: Science has proven that if we lose as little as 10 pounds by walking briskly for 30 minutes, 5 days a week, and make healthier food choices, we can... And prevent diabetes.
5: My name is Barbara Akisakop Curtis. I'm losing weight and being more active. I am Alaskan in Ufab Eskimo, and I have the power to prevent diabetes.
0: For more information on how to prevent diabetes, talk to your health care provider. For free materials, call the National Diabetes Education Program at 1-800-438-5383 and ask for the power to prevent diabetes. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
6: This is Meryl Streep. Over the years, I have played some characters you could call controlling. But the truth is, there's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can, colorectal cancer. It affects men and women, and it's the second leading cancer killer in the US, which is astounding considering it's almost entirely preventable. Here's how. Most colon cancers start as polyps, and screening helps find polyps, so they can be removed before they even turn into cancer. Screening also finds this cancer early when treatment works best. For me, screening was simple and quick. It was no big deal, except for the huge sense of relief you feel afterwards. There are several tests that you can choose from. If you're 50 or older, you should talk to your doctor. Decide which one's right for you. Take control. Do everything you can to prevent colon cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the US Department of Health and Human Services.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Vicki Griffin, Director of Lifestyle Matters. We're talking about important, life-changing information, leading cause of death still in most Western nations, is heart disease. It's true in America. And vicky has been explaining how heart disease is largely a product of inflammation in the blood vessels. She's walking us through some simple things we can do to decrease inflammation. One of them is if you're an addictive user of nicotine, tobacco products, using it in an addictive basis, you got to cut the cord. Vicky. you've been giving us some practical suggestions. We're just about to do it. Mm-hmm. Please walk us through those.
2: All right. Well, let's just back back up just a little bit and talk about dopamine. Dopamine is a word that's widely used and it it's associated with addictions and the pleasure centers of the brain. But there are many, many uh, types of dopamine receptors in the brain and there are different ways to stimulate dopamine. And the other thing that I want to say is that dopamine is not just associated with... With feelings of happiness and reward, it's also linked to motivation and okay. learning. So, oh. when when those receptors get beaten up by overstimulation uh-huh. from nicotine and they start to wear out and die out, uh, then what do we what what else happens besides lack of pleasure, a lack of motivation and inability to learn
7: wow. uh, new things?
2: And so, it really becomes important for us to stimulate. Uh, a balanced level of dopamine in relation to other neurotransmitters in all areas of the brain. So this circuitry is altered due to addiction, but it can be resolved. It can be repaired. Mm -hmm. We are made for renewal, recovery, and restoration. And so there's an aggressive recovery lifestyle that actually promotes healing and stimulates uh, dopamine and reduces the risk of relapse. And and I call it the 7 R's for a recovery lifestyle.
1: Okay, so 7 R's. You're going to actually help us. And this would help not just with the nicotine addiction. It would help with... uh... The
2: overall issue of heart disease because heart disease is linked to inflammation. And the very things that are going to reduce addiction... Are also going to dial down inflammation because wow, we're, we can be addicted to inactivity sometimes okay. we think about being okay. addicted to to things uh, we we think about being addicted to activities or substances or foods, mm-hmm. but we can be addicted in one sense to destructive lifestyle habits that just create tension and fatigue and Uh, cause some real problems. So as we look at these seven R's, if you have obesity or diabetes, if you're battling a a food or substance addiction, if you have heart disease or high cholesterol, these seven R's are for you.
1: Okay, please walk us through them.
2: Number one is real food.
1: Real food, okay. Real food.
2: So nourishing food is going to strengthen both the body and the brain. So these plant foods, uh, we we call the produce department the Department of Defense. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Uh, They're rich in antioxidants and nutrients that actually are going to repair cellular damage. And your brain is made up of cells. It improves circulation and is a major determinant of brain health. Uh, so when we, have, when we have good nutrition, it's actually going to cut cravings for sugar and stimulants, and tobacco is a stimulant. So what do we do, bottom line? Eat plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables, lots of whole grains, beans, legumes. Uh These are going to help to balance blood sugar and lower insulin. By the way, elevated levels of insulin in the brain cause nerve cells to commit suicide.
1: Okay, now wait a minute. So, I mean, we're, we're bring, bringing a lot of stuff in here, and it's important. Yes. But I'm just trying to kind of sort this all out. So earlier in this interview, Vicki, we talked about an epidemic that is at the root of heart disease. So one of these things that's driving the heart disease epidemic is the metabolic syndrome. Correct. So when we have insulin resistance, when our tissues are not responding to insulin right. as they should, right. our body's natural response is to raise those insulin levels. And
2: the insulin is like a grocery boy. Okay. The grocery boy brings the groceries to the house. Okay. The groceries are glucose. That's the fuel of the cells. Fair enough. And when the grocery boy gets to the doorbell, when a person is insulin resistant, that means he can't find the doorbell. So okay. he keeps calling for more and more grocery boys. So now you have a condition called hyperinsulinism. Mm-hmm. The glucose is not getting into the cells. It's not getting into the skeletal muscles. So you, the first one of the first symptoms of insulin resistance is chronic fatigue. Okay. And so the energy is not there. It's not being produced and so now you have a condition where the blood sugar is high, so the insulin keeps compensating more and more and more insulin mm-hmm. so now the, the the urine you start to dump dump sugar you have elevated insulin levels and these insulin levels also are high in the brain and so it affects brain health it actually causes uh, new nerve cells in the brain to die
1: wow so so the high insulin levels even before you develop diabetes are damaging the brain absolutely we knew for years that those higher insulin levels were associated with higher rates of stroke and heart attack mm-hmm. but they're also affecting learning and performance is that fair to say do we know that
2: mood memory
1: Wow learning
2: behavior wow. and so there's this amazing backup system in the body. When the blood sugar levels are high like that, when insulin levels are high, the body sees that you are in major stress. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. now the kidneys, the adrenals that sit on top of the kidneys start pumping out cortisol, a stress hormone, a okay. longer acting stress hormone. And what is the purpose of that? Well, the purpose is to save your life and clear this blood sugar. So the the cortisol is released and your liver starts to release, cause the release of free fatty acids, which glom onto those sugar carbons that are floating around in the blood, producing triglycerides, and it nails it right around the mid-belly. And that's a major cause of mid-belly fat. Cool. And Indian populations are at particular risk for this. It's a metabolically active fat. It affects the brain as well as the body. So having real food starts to dial down that inflammation. Getting exercise every day, especially aerobic exercise, begins to break down that highly metabolic fatty tissue that's around the mid-body.
1: Okay, so uh, although it may seem, as we're walking through this journey together, Vicky that some of these things are kind of intermingled. They really are. We're talking about how you can break free of nicotine. But right. you're walking us through these processes, and you're saying, you know, it's not just uh, helping. You know, someone could be listening to this show. They say, I, I don't use nicotine on yeah, an addictive right. basis. I don't, I don't even use tobacco ceremonially. But right. what you're saying is eat those real foods, those whole plant foods, because they'll help lower insulin resistance. We
2: are all... Living life every day. We are all in training. We are not training for an athletic event, but we are all in training for getting through a day. Mm, And so the seven R's that I am talking to you about are the seven R's that I live by in order to stay healthy. Okay,
1: so the first one is real food. The first one is real
2: food. The second one is regular exercise, and we've already discussed it. Number three is rest. And this is very, very important because regular sleep is going to restore the brain. It actually elevates the mood. It helps blood sugar uh, balance and stress hormone balance the next day. And all of these things tend to lower cravings, lower anxiety, mm-hmm. improve learning and memory so that you can actually face the challenges of every day. Here, here's the key. There are no drive-through breakthroughs in life. And so we have to adopt a strategy for for meeting life's challenges that is actually going to build strength and endurance uh, rather than uh, artificial stimulation Okay. because you're going to crash and burn mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. Uh, and, and here's the thing that's so important to remember. We can be absolutely running in a complete state of, state of emergency to a meeting that is completely unimportant. Mm. All your body signals are telling you it's urgent. But the most important and urgent priorities in life, we may not have those alarm signals wow. going off, but they are urgent. So these seven R's are critical, even though we're not in a panic. We don't. The body doesn't respond in a panic. They're urgent. They are priorities.
1: So really, it's so easy for people, when they seem to have a lot on their plate, to just burn the candle at both ends, as we say. Exactly to uh, get less sleep. But what you're right. saying, you're making a plea saying, please get your rest.
2: Stress is a major, major trigger for tobacco users. Uh, and losing sleep actually reduces uh, discernment and judgment so that you don't okay. discern as much. You don't care as much about what you do discern. Wow. And you are not going to care about your choices as much because your brain is fatigued and decision-making has been reduced to chance levels. So we need to understand that good, deep sleep is a priority.
1: Okay. So we've got real foods, those whole plant foods. We've got regular exercise. We've got rest. What else is on your list that can help our hearts and help us break free of addictions?
2: This is an old-fashioned grandmother term. It's called regularity. Hmm. Uh, and you helped me with this at a personal level many years ago when I had a post-infection irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, and the, everything in our world is based on regular patterns and systems and rhythms. Mm-hmm. And your body, my body, is no different. So establishing regular hours for meals and exercise and rest uh, actually heals and energizes the brain and body. And I have even learned that when there is something that I have no control over, that mm-hmm. I'm concerned and worried about, I will give myself a certain time every day and a certain period of time to think about it. Wow. And in my faith tradition, I pray about it. Uh-huh. But, I, but when that time period is up, I'm done.
1: Really? Okay. So you say I'm not going to worry about this all day. I I've, I've got these few minutes. That's
2: exactly right,
1: Vicky. We are almost out of time, and you got to just give us these last few points.
2: The last few are are wonderful. They are relationships, get-a-buddy system, response ability. You have a choice, and religion, spirituality is the center of a healthy lifestyle.
1: How can someone get more of your materials?
2: Uh, they go to LifestyleMatters.com.
1: LifestyleMatters.com. Vicky, our time has rushed away from us. You are most gracious to join us. We've got to step away. We've got more coming up in this edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more.
0: Stay tuned. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call one-eight hundred-seven 775 Hope. That's one-eight hundred-seven seven five. Four, six, seven,
2: three. I'm Karen, and two very important people in my life, my husband and my father, have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. Talk with a healthcare professional today about your risk and learn how to manage AFib to prevent a stroke. Visit stroke.org slash AFib to learn more.
7: My name is Meera Batra. I have been in this country 32 years, and this is how I live united. America has always been the land of promise, and in my community, many families have come for a better life. Coming from another culture myself, I know the desire to become part of a community, to feel at home, and to gain the tools for our children and families to succeed. So I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to look beyond their histories and to see what opportunities are available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools, network within the community, and when we do, we unite them. We make the community stronger. What I do is something I wish someone had done for me, and I am so grateful I am able to. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunities and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it.
0: Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
2: Did you know that 63% of homes contain allergens from cockroaches and that mice spread potent asthma triggers found in 82% of homes? It's true. Common household pests are major offenders on the list of indoor allergens. Learn what you can do to help your family breathe easier. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the
5: National Pest Management Association and the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to American Indian Living. Spokane, Washington is where we're at. We're in a convention venue and we're interviewing people who are here for the International ASI Convention. Across from me is someone else who has been focused on putting together quality health education resources. His name is John Youngberg. John, it's great to have you with us.
4: Well, thank you very much, David. It's great to be here.
1: Now, John, you've got an illustrious background. You were a uh, uh, college professor for many years. Is that right?
4: Well, uh, graduate school. Graduate school. Well, we lived in South America. Mm -hmm. And uh, while in South America, we worked in Bolivia among the native population of Bolivia. Mm-hmm. We had hundreds of them there in our school. Our I was president of the college. Okay. And now university. And uh there's just uh great, great people. Of course these are the the Quechua Indians. Uh-huh. And the uh they uh it was just and the Aymara Indians. Okay. And we have an invitation to go back to Peru here later in the year, and we'll be in Peru and hopefully go back to some of these ruins of the Inca Indians and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. see some of their wonderful places. But yes, uh, I've been a teacher and on the college level, and I've been a, a teacher for 25 years on the graduate level, uh, training doctoral students and uh, master's students.
1: So what is your academic background? What is your training in?
4: My my training is in educational leadership as well as human guidance uh-huh. guidance of people as well as religion.
1: Okay. And so you have this background. You've been a teacher, college professor, graduate school teacher, uh president of a college and at some point working with indigenous peoples in South America as well as working with other populations. You somehow felt there was need for a curriculum on the subject of wellness, so tell us about your uh, current project
4: well, actually David, the, it, it was just a marvelous thing. We had worked with with families for many years. Uh, actually my wife and I had spent 25 years in charge of Family Life International, bringing uh, trainees from all over the world to do a leadership of uh, course, in, in families. And, uh, then we said, well, that's, this is good. We've been doing this a quarter century. But as we retired, said, well, let's see if we can combine this with physical, biological wellness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have family wellness, we have biological wellness, and even spiritual wellness.
1: Okay, okay. And you, you rolled this all under one umbrella, and you came out with a program some years ago called Win Wellness. Correct? That is
4: exactly correct.
1: Now, I actually picked up your program some years ago. I've used some of it in community settings. Good. I can't tell you I've used the whole curriculum. I mean, it is, I'll be honest with you, John, I think it's probably one of the most extensive, comprehensive wellness curricula I've ever seen.
4: Well, that is uh, various evaluators have said that they, they haven't seen any more. Comprehensive program because there are wellness programs which deal with the biological Mm -hmm. wellness and, uh, but seldom do you find one that deals with the family aspect Mm -hmm. as well as the spiritual aspect.
1: So tell me how this program has been used. How long, uh, how long has it been out there, first of all?
4: Okay. This, uh, wind sort of was invented by us. In the year 2002. Okay. So we've been working on it 13 years now. Okay. And uh, actually we started in Spanish and running this in Monterrey, ah, Mexico. Okay. And then we moved it over in English. And we still work in Spanish and English. And uh, sometimes one is ahead of the other and one is behind. Uh-huh. And then they switch places. And so uh, it's been a, a real joy to see this go to the world. Uh, sometimes uh, today, for instance, in the Far East uh, in Indonesia and uh, the Philippines, more in Indonesia, in the Bahasa language, uh, they have installed a thousand uh, dishes for television and they are giving this program on these thousand, uh, thousands of dishes and they say they are reaching some 18 million people. With, with this program.
1: Wow. So you're telling me that this program that's been out for now 13 years is not just being used in English and Spanish-speaking countries, which are the two primary languages that it came out in, but it's been translated into many la- other languages?
4: A total of 30. Wow. We just found out this week or two ago. Uh, Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. they, they, have now, they have now published our material in three languages. Okay. Then Tamil, Indian language. Pardon me. I think it's for Hindi. Mm-hmm. Another language is spoken in nearby India, because many of the people came from there. And then there's the native Sri Lankan language, and of course, some of the people speak English. And so they're okay. publishing in four four languages in one island nation.
1: Wow, wow. So, give us an idea of some of the principles, because I think people are saying, okay, so the the Youngbergs have come up with this. Uh, great program. Uh, maybe they've heard of it. Maybe they've used it. Maybe they haven't. I'm guessing that even though it's been well distributed throughout many countries, there's probably still the majority of my listeners who've never heard of it. So give us an example of something in the social health realm. Someone's listening today. They've got challenges in their family. Are there any simple principles that, that you could communicate to them?
4: Well, uh, Dr. Rose, you have, you have cued right in to one of the most important factors and that is social support. And uh, I imagine among the native Indian population, uh, you're probably more cognizant of this than other peoples mm-hmm. because some of our uh, other friends in this country, it's every man for himself. Okay. But the, uh, this population understands that we all need each other That's right. and we've got to work together. And uh, in the famous Alameda study, done near San Francisco, uh, over 25 years ago. They, uh, they, uh, in the follow-up to that study, after they had, had located, and help me if my memory is short, uh, after they had found that, that, uh, that certain factors helped to create better health, such as not smoking, mm-hmm. such as getting sufficient rest, right. such as eating, eating the right kinds of food, drinking good, pure water, and uh, and so on, that they they outlined all these, I believe there were six different factors that they had found. They did a follow-up on that study a few years later with the same people. And they found out that the greatest factor that influenced the health was not any one of these, but it was social support. And social support of our neighbors, of our friends, really meant more Imagine, this is hard to say, but it meant more than the combination of all the other factors. No,
1: I mean, this is pretty amazing. I I remember looking at that data many years ago. You write a very famous study. Those of us who have public health backgrounds, we all know this uh, Alameda County study uh, associated with uh, Lester Breslow, who was at one time the uh, state health director for uh, California. And, yeah, you see these factors, like you mentioned, whether it's uh, you know being at or around your ideal weight, whether it's physical exercise, whether it's adequate rest. And we say, yes, these are important. And they indeed found those were important factors for longevity. But you, you got it right on, those social factors, c- contact with friends and family, uh, being part of a faith community. These things, you're exactly right, more powerful than those other factors. And I think for a lot of us, when I first saw that data um, – I mean, it was pretty, pretty surprising.
4: Just, uh, just think. Uh, so, you know, we could live as hermits out in some mountain top all by ourselves in our teepee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, actually, we, we need each other. We need neighbors. But that means we have to learn to, to get along with those neighbors. <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> and so, and of course, in the marriage relationship, we need a spouse, we need a good husband. We need a good wife. We need children who grow up respecting their parents mm. and walking the talk and moving in the right direction.
1: Some good points. And you know, some might wonder why where that TP came from. But those uh, who haven't actually seen where we're recording, we're recording here in a live venue in a convention center, and we're actually being hosted by a group of uh, Native Americans here in the Northwest. And they've actually got a. Teepee, yeah, constructed, uh, actually built right here in the exhibit hall. So it's sitting right next to us. So (laughs) if you're wondering where that came from, John was gesturing over to the teepee, and (laughs) some of you might have said, well, that's kind of a strange uh, illustration. Well, that's why, because we're right here in this uh, Native American uh, setting in the convention hall. So, John, one thing people can do, I'm hearing you, is they can invest in relationships, and this is going to have a bearing on their physical health.
4: Absolutely. And uh, we have discovered that there are various factors in relationship. For instance, a healthy family spends time together. Right. right. There is no substitute. If uh, dad doesn't have time for the family and the kids, the day will come when the kids are older and dad will say, well, son, help me on this. And he didn't have time for the kids back when they were young, and now they don't have time for him either. Mm. So family time very, very important, no substitute for it. Then the whole question of of uh, showing appreciation okay. if we live in the same house with somebody else, then is it asking too much that we tell our wife or our kids, I appreciate Tommy that you did this my that was wonderful. Mom really appreciates this. Mm-hmm. Let me tell the story a Mother was just there in her. Kitchen, I guess she's washing the dishes. Uh huh. And the door opens and in comes little, well, we'll call him Tommy. In comes little Tommy, he's four years old. Okay. And he is carrying tulips, flowers. And they're of all sizes and some have long stems and some have short stems and some have mud on the roots and he's bringing them in and Mother looks over there, and she sees the mud is falling on her kitchen floor. Mm. And, oh, uh, she's just about ready to reprimand little Tommy. And Tommy has a big smile on his face and says, Mommy, I bought them all for you Mm. because I love you. Wow. And then Mom, she puts away the dishcloth, and she says, Tommy, thank you so much for bringing these flowers to Mommy. Mm. I appreciate them. She put them in a base and put them right there on the table, and uh, and so that's it's more important that we express appreciation to people than it is that we keep the kitchen floor clean.
1: Okay, and uh, <laughs> sometimes we can be overly preoccupied with things, thinking we're uh, doing something for health or cleanliness, and we're really undermining the social fabric, aren't we? That's right. Wow, great story. Well, I know how it it works. We got all kinds of great guests coming through the booth. You're another one of them, Dr. Youngberg. And uh, unfortunately, I know this clock just keeps running, but there are people who are hearing about Win Wellness for the first time. How does someone actually get your materials? Wind
4: Wellness has a website, which is W-I-N-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot org. Okay. And there you can see what our whole program is about. Basically, we have 29 topics which are going around the world and being used in 30 languages world over.
1: Wonderful. So it's winwellness.org.
4: That is correct.
1: John, thank you so much for joining us.
4: It's been a pleasure, and, and may the higher power be with each one of those who listens.
1: Thanks so much. We've got to slip away. We've got one more segment coming up, though, in today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got a physician standing by with some remarkable medical insights. Don't go away. We will be right back.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's one 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this.
5: What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept, you don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once, there's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down. Hang up. Pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together.
3: We are here to say a word about cancer.
7: When you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with cancer,
3: be
1: positive,
7: be supportive. That's it. Stop right there.
1: Don't start telling them about your Uncle Vern.
7: Or the next door neighbor. Don't be grim.
1: Try not to disappear either.
5: Don't cross to the other side of the street.
0: Don't stop calling. Don't cry.
5: Don't ever say you're living my worst nightmare.
4: You know who you are.
5: Here's the important part. Be positive. Be positive. Se positivo. Say these words. You will do great. Keep calling. Check in. Be a friend. Or be a new friend. Be a supportive. Positive Friend. friend. Smile.
1: Try not to be afraid.
5: Or act afraid. Fear is not useful. Be a funny, hopeful human being. If you come across cancer,
1: let it transform you into your most positive self.
3: And inspire. Urge. Fortify. Rally. Encourage someone to do Great. This message brought to you by cancer survivors.
0: For more information, to hear stories, or share your own, visit dogreatcampaign.com. Do great. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1 800 775 HOPE. 1 800 775 4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome
1: back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Lorraine Barton winding up our final segment of the show. Lorraine, it's great to have you with us in the, the studio today.
3: Thank you. It's good to be here with you, David.
1: And, of course, it's a virtual studio here in this convention center, but that doesn't matter. I know you've got a lot of great information. For those who don't know Dr. Barton, you're a pediatrician first, right. right?
3: Yes, I'm a pediatrician. I have a subspecialty of uh, neonatology, which is taking care of very premature babies and sick babies. But I also am very interested in lifestyle medicine, and so I have also obtained a degree in preventive medicine.
1: And you've got a master's a in public master's health. And a master's in
3: public health, right.
1: So Dr. Barton is uh, is well qualified to speak to issues across the age range, with that special emphasis, though, on uh, the youngest in our populations. One of the things that uh, you have seen, I know in your practice, is when a mother has a new baby, there's a certain thing that often tends to be deficient in her life. What is that?
3: That is sleep. Sleep.
1: But it's not just women with new babies. We're a sleep-deprived society, aren't we? That's
3: right. Right now, they think that probably the majority of people do not get enough rest.
1: How do you know what enough rest is? Do you have any, any window well, on that yes, for us? yes.
3: They have actually, um, looked at what, what people do best, how they are able to, um, function the best, whether it's in their work or in their school or anything. And it, they've shown that adults need at least seven to eight hours, preferably even eight hours of sleep. Wow. Teenagers and, Younger children need much more. They may need as many as 10 or 11 hours of sleep.
1: Really? 11 hours Even of sleep? Even 11
3: for, say, a grade school child.
1: Really? Yes. And it's so easy with all the uh, entertainment that's available uh, at the click of a button. Correct. These kids are often not getting anywhere close to that's that, That's true. They?
3: Fatigue is the most common problem worldwide.
1: Wow. And in the
3: health area. One of the most common problems that we see.
1: Now, for a student, for a worker, we might say, yeah, fatigue, you know, could interfere with our vigilance. We may be more prone to accidents. A student may not be able to attend as well in a classroom. But are there other health consequences of lack of sleep besides just being tired?
3: Right. Uh, recently, they've learned that uh, dementia and maybe even possibly Alzheimer's could be related to lack of sleep. So really? especially dementia. I'm not going to go there with alzheimer's but dementia is more common in people who have chronically had less sleep throughout their lives
1: okay and for the the lay listener of course dementia is the broad category of losing right. just losing your mental
3: function, function not not uh, you know many many people as they get older we think oh they're just getting old hmm. but much of that is related to their lifestyle habits when they lose their capacity to think and to know who their children are, and okay. things like this. We'd like to keep our mental abilities perfect until the last moment, if possible. Right,
1: right. And, and so one of the things that helps us do that is getting adequate rest. That's right. Tell us more why we should be concerned about this topic of rest and sleep. Right.
3: Well, it's one of the most, uh, the ten most common reasons that people visit the doctor. Mm. One of those is lack of sleep or problems actually getting to sleep. Okay, Uh, or waking up in the middle of the night, Uh, especially as people get older. This is a very, very common problem, but we do see it even with adolescents.
1: So you and your practice as a pediatrician see adolescents uh, with sleep problems? We
3: have seen this, yes. Uh, I don't personally currently take care of adolescents, but Mm -hmm. it is a common problem.
1: Okay, so you're working with the neonates, the little ones. Right. And even if they had a sleep problem, they wouldn't tell you.
3: That's right.
1: Okay. (laughs) So... What, um what can we do if we have such a problem? If we're not sleeping well, are there some simple things that we can do?
3: Yes, there are. Uh, first of all, you'd asked earlier how much sleep we need. And as I mentioned, um, people live longer, actually, if they get more sleep. Okay. So if you start getting less than seven or eight hours of sleep a night, you actually don't live as long as people who get, say, eight Hours of sleep. Wow. Okay. So what can you do? Mm -hmm. First of all, you have to kind of, you have to set habits that allow you to go to sleep. We need two kinds of rest and sleep. One is daily, every day, Mm -hmm. and one is weekly. Okay. So if you do it, if you lose sleep daily, Uh a lot of people think, I'm going to catch up on the weekend.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
3: But you cannot really replace your lost sleep.
1: Really, That's so there isn't this idea of a sleep debt that you can right. repay to you some extent. You cannot repay
3: it. So once you've lost that sleep, it is lost. Huh. And so this is something everybody needs to consider—not just for now to feel better, to work better, or or study better—but this is long-term related to what's going to happen to you as you get
0: older.
1: So, Dr. Barton, let me see if I've got this right. If I've cut myself short on sleep, it is true that if I get more rest, I may be able to function normally the next day. But what you're saying is if I look at the chronic effects of sleep deprivation, I haven't undone that damage like increasing my risk of dementia and things like that. Right. Okay. Well, that's sobering stuff. Yeah.
3: So falling asleep while driving, you mentioned that a little earlier. Mm -hmm. It's one of the major causes of automobile accidents. People have what we call micro sleeps where they sleep for just seconds
1: they don 't even realize they don 't even
3: realize it wow or you 're sitting in a meeting you 've probably had this happen to you okay I know I have uh-huh. you 're sitting there and you 're listening, you think suddenly you realize the meeting 's over or you 're onto to something different and it 's okay. really it 's serious when it 's happening while you 're driving
1: so if something like that happens if you Look up, and you see that you're at exit 252, and you were just at exit 240. Right. This Only is
3: four seconds, and can be fatal.
1: Four seconds, that little.
3: Four seconds, and you could ha- have a fatal accident.
1: Wow. Okay, so sleep is important when you're behind the wheel. It's important in those business meetings. It's important in the classroom. But, Lorraine, a lot of people, they've told me, just like you, they're in the office And uh, they'll say, I don't really need that much sleep. Have you heard that one before? We hear it
3: all the time. It says, I don't need that much sleep. I can get by on five hours or less. So this doesn't apply to me.
1: Is that true for some people? It is not true.
3: The fact is that everybody varies somewhat in their sleep amount that they need. uh, But uh, the need is definitely for at least seven hours minimum.
1: Wow. So even if a person seems to be functioning well, they're... They're paying a price.
3: Yes, you perform at your best if you've had at least eight hours of sleep.
1: Okay, so don't stay up all night studying for the test. No,
3: it's not worth it. So it, this is what uh, is difficult to restore if you get that sleep debt. And um, as as people age, the other problem they have is actually falling asleep.
1: Okay. You know?
3: So that's another serious problem that we see with elderly people. And so we want to just encourage you. Try your best to start uh, going to bed at a reasonable hour. We suggest at least by 10 o'clock at night. Okay. This will give you uh, a long enough time to to get to sleep within 15 or 20 minutes and to wake up refreshed.
1: Okay, so we got the message. We need to get more sleep. We need to go to bed earlier, but you got to help us because some people say it doesn't matter, Dr. DeRose, Dr. Barton. If I go to sleep, I cannot fall asleep. I mean, do you have some practical suggestions yes, that can we help do. people sleep? Right.
3: If, if you can uh, put yourself into some sort of a routine, it works. Okay. It may not be easy the first few days. But if you every day say, I'm going to go to bed at 9.30 or I'm going to go to bed at 10, and you just lay there, don't worry about if you can't fall asleep at mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, usually within 10 to 15 minutes, if you just lie completely quiet, Close your eyes. Don't get up. Keep your room dark.
1: Okay. You will
3: get into the habit of falling asleep.
1: So I've heard some people say quiet, dark, cool, and comfortable. Are, are those? Th- uh, that
3: sounds very good. Okay. Mm. So those all, those those all seem very to good. apply. Very good. If it's good. too hot, most mm.
1: people have trouble sleeping, Correct. don't they?
3: Right. And you know what? Sleeping pills are used by about 43 million people in the United States. Wow. Guess what? They only help you sleep about 11 minutes longer. What? Yep. The so recent study just showed that. Really? That sleeping pills only help you sleep about an average of 11 minutes more and could even make you feel sleepier in the daytime. So it's not worth it to rely on sleeping pills. And sleeping pills have a higher incidence of people who uh, commit suicide later in their life later as well. So we don't want you to be on um, sleeping pills.
1: Well, we're basically out of time, Lorraine. I think the message has come through loud and clear that sleep is important. Sleeping pills are not the solution. As we're closing out, any final things you want to tell people that'll help them rest better?
3: Try not to think about all the troubles you've had during the day. Try to go to bed with just peace that you've done your best for that day. Make sure you don't have anything like anger in your heart as you go to bed. Just relax and perhaps just ask for the Lord to bless you and just go to sleep in peace.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Dr. Lorraine Barton closing out our show on today's edition of American Indian Living. That's it. That's all for today's edition. Thank you so much for joining us. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health.
0: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.